Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray, Father God, that light and understanding will come into your word. And I pray that as we just engage ourselves in the study of the healing school, that we will receive supernatural testimonies of health in the name of Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Alright, so let's go to Genesis chapter 24. And that's our main um, text for this school and this session. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 1. Genesis 24 and verse 1. Now Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. That's the New American Standard Version. Okay? So, the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. Now, it's important for us to understand that the key we're picking on our Wednesday classes is the fact that Abraham was old and was advanced in age. Okay? Now, Abraham was old and advanced in age. Now, to advance in age simply means that Abraham didn't die young. And that's very important because what we're dealing with is the fact that God wants us to live long. Okay? Now, Abraham was old, advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way. So, if the Lord had blessed Abraham in every way, it's very clear that sickness, because I cannot say the Lord had blessed me in every way if I'm sick. Okay, now, I think the challenge sometimes um, when you teach this subject is then people start pointing out, and I'm going to deal with that, right? People start pointing out, what about this person who died at this? What are you trying to say? Oh, okay, well, we prayed for this person, but the person didn't live long, the person died. What are you trying to say? I'm only repeating what, I'm, what I found in scriptures. Praise God. Because what happens is sometimes when our experiences are opposite what we find in scripture, then the challenge is we try to make an excuse and we start lowering our expectations. And that's not the case. We, we don't come to the word of God to lower our expectations. We come to the word of God to find out exactly who we are. And what God expects of us. And God's um, mind towards the subject. I, I don't know if you, if you understand what I'm trying to say. So, if I see that God wants me to live long, it doesn't matter, I mean, who dies early. Even if I'm the one teaching the word, if I die early, I'm not going to die early. But if I die early, it doesn't mean what I'm teaching is false. The truth is not subject to my experience. And that's very important. Because that's a struggle you're going to have. Because then people start asking, well, if what you're saying is true. No, it is truth because it is the word of God. It's not the truth just because a big man of God died early then. Oh, it can't be. No, 
And this is something I want to say, and I, I really need to create this before I go further, because um, one of the things I realized is this, that most times we get into this place where we are struggling with accepting what the Word of God says because we feel that we're not living it. Right? Now, if the Word of God says something, then I have to use my faith to believe for it. So let me give you an example. Now, I'm teaching you guys, and I'm saying, we have a healing school. I'm training you to go pray for the sick. If you pray for the first person, and the person doesn't get healed, you're going to have two approach. You're going to like, this doesn't work. Or you're going to say, listen, you know what? I'm going to go to the next person and pray. And, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm careful when I share these things, because as ministers of the gospel, we need to be honest. Now, the challenge most people have is because ministers do not share when they prayed for people and the people did not get healed. So every time your pastor shares a testimony, it's a testimony of healing. So in your mind, your pastor has 100% results. But that's not true. So I prayed for some people, they didn't get healed. I prayed for a lot of people who got healed. But I, I'm not going to come every Sunday and tell you about those who didn't get healed. I'm going to tell you about all those who did what? Who got healed. Are, are you following this now? So you must realize, you know, that even as a minister, I have to apply the word to myself. Listen, I don't get healed because I'm teaching the word. I get healed because I'm believing and acting on the word. So I can teach you healing and die of sickness. And so I say, why? Yeah, because it is not in the teaching of healing you get healed. It is in the practicing of the word of healing. And there is a, there is a challenge that you can have as a preacher. You can just feel like, I know that scripture. For instance, if I'm here now and I say, turn to John 3, 16. Do you know what I guess? I guess 90% of people will not turn to the scripture. You know the reason why? I know it. And you know, just that approach to the subject will not make you get enough from it. So sometimes as a minister, and I'm explaining this because, you know, you, sometimes you have ministers you know, who, 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 who die or are attacked with sickness, and then there's a lot of questions surrounding it. A minister has to remove himself from that place of teaching and come to the place of acting and practicing the Word of God. So if sickness attacks my body, I have to resist it. If I don't resist it, it will come against me. It will destroy me. Praise God. Now, and, and I said this uh, earlier, and I want to say it again, that the aim of sickness is to destroy you and to cut you short, cut your life short, so you will not fulfill the purpose of God for your life. So we're not dealing with longevity just because we want to enjoy life. We're dealing with longevity because we need life to carry out God's assignment for us on the earth. Do you follow this now? So it is longevity with a purpose. And that's very important. We're not, we, we're not, we're not wanting to live long so we can just enjoy life. <laughs> no. We are here on assignment. And as I was preparing for this today, something came to my mind. I remember, I think I've shared with you guys before, um, how I was involved in a very ghastly motor accident with uh, my parents when I was a young child. And, and the Spirit of God, by His ministry angels, took me out of the car, set me on a stone. 
and um, I was safe. No scratch, nothing. It was terrible. Now, it just crossed my mind today that if I had died in that accident, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. Praise God. So you realize that your longevity is tied to your assignment. God needs you alive to get things done. Praise God. God needs you alive to do what? To get things done. So, we're in part two of developing an inner image of longevity. We, we have to have that image in our hearts. We have to have that in our spirit. It has to be deeply rooted in our subconscious. Okay, so we dealt with um, Genesis 25.8. We dealt with Genesis 6.3. I think the last scripture we stopped at was Psalm 105. Verse 37. Now, I want to read something to you first. So, just hold your place. I want to read this to you. And, and I just got this off. So, I want to read this to you. And then we go to Psalm 105, verse 37. So, you can turn to Psalm 105. And just keep your place there, verse 37. Now, listen to this. I just went through Adam and how people lived. You know, so, I realized this. According to Genesis chapter 5, Adam lived for 930 years. And, and I want you to look at those numbers. <laughs> so if you are 30, Adam was older than you by 900 years. Okay. His son, Seth, lived 912 years. His grandson, Enos, lived 905 years. His great-grandson, Canaan, lived 910 years. So they were doing 900. You know, so... When you get to 900, it's more like, okay, so how much more years can you add before you, you, you die? <laughs> His grandson, Mahalela, lived 895 years. That, that, that was lower. And, and I was thinking today as I was studying this subject, when we look at Methuselah, we've always used Methuselah to joke. Right? We've looked at it as a very, ah, oh, he lived a thousand years. Wow, you want to be like Methuselah. We've looked at it from our comedy perspective not from a perspective of possibility praise God you, we've have, we haven't looked at this we, I mean I'm sure in reading all of these scriptures you've just skipped past how long Adam lived and you know why you skip past it it just looks impossible like nah let's go to the next verse you know so and that's why we're doing this teaching what are we doing we're renewing our mind I, I believe that after last healing class, a lot of you began to not feel that old. <laughs> right? Begin to like, wow, okay, yeah, I can see this. What are we doing? We're adjusting that image. Because if that image is not formed in your heart, you cannot, you cannot uh, live up to it. Praise God. Okay. Uh, Mahalele's son, Jared, lived 962 years. The man came and just blasted everybody. <laughs> Jared's son Enoch uh, Jared's son that's Jared his son Enoch you know Enoch did not die you know he walked so closely with God that God caught him up at a tender age of 365 years so we cannot say there was a death on Enoch Enoch walked with God and he was not found God just took him so it's possible also for you to walk with God in this age and not pass by the way of death and God to just take you. <laughs> Praise God. These are possibilities now. 
These are possibilities. It's in the Word of God. Nothing in the Word of God is just there for the sake of it's there. Or they were looking for how to complete the Bible. Enoch, Methuselah's son. Uh, Enoch's son, Methuselah, won the Old Age Award. He, le- he lived 969 years. So you realize that averagely people were living around 900, 800 to 900. But as people kept living, a couple of things started happening. Expectation, confession, declaration. Praise God. And people's life began to come short. Now you must understand. These people did not have medical science. They did not have supplements. Praise God. Adam did not have a gym instructor. So what kept him alive? Glory to God. Go to Psalm 105. And verse 37. Thank you Lord Jesus. Psalm 105 verse 37. He also brought them out with silver and gold. And there was none feeble among his tribes. What does it mean to be feeble? It means to be weak. Do you realize that for 40 years there was no feeble person among the children of Israel? I want you to think of it. For 40 years. There were children, there were older people, the whole over 3 million people who came out of Egypt going to Canaan. God supernaturally kept their body and they were not feeble. And this is important. We need to meditate on this. Now, I want you to follow this right. Follow this right. You realize that the body of Christ has been strong on the silver and the gold. Come on. Every time we read this passage, what comes to our mind? He led them out with silver and gold. Right. You realize that's been our emphasis. Come on now. That's been our emphasis. You realize our emphasis have not been on the fact that they were not feeble. You know what's happening right there? We have faith that God can give us silver and gold. But we don't have enough faith that God can keep us 40 years without being feeble. So, if you look at this verse of scripture, God brought them out with silver and gold and there was none feeble among them. It's the same verse, but two realities. There is the reality of prosperity and the reality of longevity. But we've been big. You know, for some people, they don't mind having money if they die young. It's like, I don't care. God just give me silver and gold. If I die at 25, let me just know that I've, I've hammered. <laughs> and what is, their, what is their whole heart? Just get cars, get a house, enjoy life. Are, are you saying that now? So people would not mind dying early if they are just blessed. In fact, well, I won't say that blessing if they have money. In fact, if you put long life and money before people, people are going to choose money. They will tell you, what's the use of long life if you don't have money? Throw a long life. So you realize that even our messages haven't been big on the fact that God wills for us to live long. It's more of prosperity. I challenge you. How many times 
as a Christian, have you heard a message that God wants you to live long? Not just God wants you to live to be healed. I, I, I know what I'm teaching, and I'm teaching it very deliberately. I'm not teaching healing right now. It's a healing class. But what I'm teaching is how many times have you been taught about longevity and immortality? And you look through all the messages. And if I tell you how many times have you been taught on prosperity, man, your two hands and your legs and your whole body will come up because that's what you hear almost every Sunday. So you cannot have faith. Remember how does faith come, Romans chapter 10? Faith comes by what? By hearing and hearing by what? By the word of God. So you cannot have faith for something you don't consistently hear. And that's why you need to take this message and listen to it over and over again. Get into the scriptures and something will begin to rise up in your heart. Does the Bible call death an enemy? Yes, it does. But we almost treat it like a friend. <laughs> glory to God. Come on, I say glory to God. Go to Job chapter 5. I'll show you something here. Job chapter 5 and let's look at verse uh, Job 5.26 come on, go with me to Job chapter 5 and verse 26 and meditate on these things meditate on them, meditate on them put your eyes on the scriptures, look at them think over them Job chapter chapter 5 and verse 26 Job 5.26 You will come God was speaking It says you will come to the grave As the grass of the earth You will come to the grave As the grass of the earth Sorry, no 26 You will come to the grave in full vigor like the stacking of grain in its season. Now, let me read it from the New Living Translation so you understand it. It says, you will go to the grave at a ripe old age, like a sheaf of grain harvested at the proper time. And that's what, what I want you to pick. It says, you will go to the grave at a ripe old age, like a sheaf of grain harvested at the proper time. What does that tell us? It means that there is, when it says a proper time, it's like saying that you harvest a crop when it's ripe. So he likens the life of Oh, he likes his life here to say, listen, when you go to the grave, you go to the grave at a ripe old age. You don't go like a crop that's harvested prematurely. That's what he says here. You will go to the grave at a ripe old age like a sheaf of grain harvested at the proper time. The proper time here is not just a time appointed of God for you to die. The proper time here has to go with longevity. Praise God. Look at this. You go to the grave at the ripe old age. It didn't just say you go to the grave. No, it says you will go at a ripe old age. 
There's something here about renewing our mind concerning longevity. And the reason our mind will struggle with longevity is because we see death like something we cannot overpower. Even preachers preach that when they have to pray over uh, preaching funerals. I think some of the worst unscriptural sermons you ever hear is when somebody dies. Because people don't have answers. And so they try to make the Bible say all kinds of things, and I'm going to deal with that. You are going to hear God give it, God take it, God needed an angel. Uh, you're going to hear all kinds of stuff. Who are we to question God? You are questionable. <laughs> we have to get back to the Bible. And know that, listen, on this I don't have an answer, but I know what the Bible says concerning this. Sometimes we don't want to appear foolish before people, so we tend to have all the answers. But listen, I don't care what experience I have, what experience somebody else has had. I know what the Word of God says. I'll just teach what the Word of God says. And I'll put my faith. And say, you know what? I've taught this. I see it in God's Word. It's clear in God's Word, except this scripture is not God's Word. But this is God's word. That you will go to the grave at a ripe old age. And somebody say, well, that's the Old Testament. Then don't tell me that the new covenant is better than the old covenant. I will do the old covenant, man. Here at the old covenant, I can do 900. I can be prosperous like Abraham. And all I have to do is kill bulls, kill whatever. I will strive to keep all the laws just to do the old covenant. But we knew that the new covenant is better. But then, we all make excuses why we should not experience what's in the new covenant. Because we are the worker generation. We know everything. We argue with everything. We fit in our eyes. We fit in our, uh, um, we fit in our eyes with death. Praise God. We feed our eyes with death. We feed our uh, mind with death all the time. We talk dead all the time. We make jokes of death all the time. And we don't know that these things have a way of impacting our lives. And if you want to live long, you have to take your longevity as serious spiritual business. And I mean that with all of my heart. You have to watch what comes out of your mouth. You have to watch your expectations. You have to watch your conversations. Glory to God. And this is important. Because this now becomes a fight of faith. <laughs> are, are you following this now? It now becomes what? A fight of faith. Glory to God. Now, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 17. Look at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 17. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 17. You know, people say, well, the Bible says there's a time to be born and a time to die. Yes, but that time to be born and the time to die should be at a ripe old age. <laughs> yeah? Should be at a ripe old age. Praise God. Do you realize right now that if somebody dies at 70, we actually consider that that person is old? <clears throat> we actually, oh, how? Oh, 70, ah, ah, the man tried. <laughs> 
Glory to God. Look at this. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 17. Do not be excessively wicked. And do not be a fool. Why should you die before your time? Do not be too wicked. Don't be a fool. Why should you die before your time? Now, I think the, the, the issue now here, here is, who determines this time? And I think that's a big question. We're going to answer it. Who determines this time? Is it God? Is it Satan? Is it you? So it's possible for people to die before their time. Praise the name of the Lord. Go to Psalm 55. We're looking at scriptures. Keep your eyes on the scriptures. Write them down. Go back home. Don't just say, well, I heard the message. Meditate on it. Meditate on it until it becomes deep on the inside of you. Psalm 55, verse 23. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord Jesus. Psalm 55 and verse 23. But you, O God, will bring them down to the pit of destruction. Men of bloodshed and deceit will not live out half their days, but I'll trust you. See, men who are deceitful, who shed blood, will not live out half of their days. What does it mean when he says these men will not live out half of their days? Do you remember what he said when, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy? That I'll bless your bread and your water and the number of your days I will fulfill. What does that mean? That's just dealing with premature death. Praise God. Okay. Go to, uh, you know, sometimes also, many people, I, I want to read this scripture. I don't have time to deal with it right now, but I want to read this scripture because when people also, when people die, especially believers, a lot of people attribute it to God and attribute it to, you know, God wanted them or something, or maybe sometimes even the devil. But most times, people do not know that your attitude contributes to your longevity, especially how you deal with the body of Christ. You, you realize that today people can just take up words, insult spiritual leaders, insult pastors, insult fellow believers. People are just very callous. And they don't think all these things have repercussions. Let me show you something. You know, and I don't have the time to deal with this, but I'm going to spend time to actually teach on the communion. Uh, what exactly is the communion? What exactly it is? Is it just bread and water or zobo and, and or, um, whatever? Now, the, the federal government uh, in certain nations are saying, well, uh, people can no longer take the communion because, uh, because of the whole crisis. And so you realize that <laughs> what is an ordination of the church <laughs> has now been stopped by the government. <laughs> so what do we tell Jesus? <laughs> Jesus, we are not allowed for the COVID-19 to take communion. So you see already something about that theology. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 11. Now nobody should write me letters on the communion, please. I'm teaching on something else. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. I want to just show you something. I don't want to get into all of those theology. Let's 
Let's start from verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night which was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Simple question. Do you remember somebody who is dead or somebody who is alive? Okay. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as, do, in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Death. Until he comes. Not the Lord's resurrection. Context of the communion. The night before he was betrayed. Okay. 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So the question you need to ask yourself is how do you drink it unworthily? We are big on serving the people. We are big on serving people communion, and yet we don't teach them. You know, I'm not going to say this so you get scared of drinking the communion the next time. You say, "You like don't keep it." <laughs> okay, but look at this. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Look at this, 29. For he who eats and drinks. Eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. The, are you saying that now? So it means, that's why I say I'm going to spend time teaching on the communion. So it means that the whole transaction of the communion is just bigger than the bread and the water. Uh, is it bread, bread and drink or bread and whatever is served? This is something heavy here. I'm just, I'm just reading this as a side. Because sometimes when people die, we attribute it to Satan, we attribute it to uh, the devil. But there's something here Paul is pointing out here. And you need to pay attention to this. Look at this. Verse 31. From verse 30, sorry. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick. And a number do what? Sleep. The word sleep there is die. Do you think this is something that is worthy of studying? Because then, we only talk about the communion as a source of blessing and healing. But look right here, that if this thing is not handled in a worthy manner, it can result to weakness, sickness, and death. Because people are not judging themselves and they are not discerning the body rightly. And this is, this is something serious. Well, you spend time to go and study that. But what I'm trying to say is this. When people die, there are a lot of factors that can contribute to it. And so it's important that we see things from that perspective and we don't just see it from the point of it's God. It's God that wanted this person. And so God took the person. Their behavior 
has a long way. Just as their behavior has a long way to contribute to long life, people's behavior within the body of Christ has a long way in opening the door for the enemy to cause them to die. And that's why the biggest problem in our generation is offense and strife. And I want to say this categorically to you because I'm going to deal with that next Wednesday on how you handle your emotions will determine if you're going to live long or if you're going to die early. If you allow all of those strife and offense and all of these things to build up in your system, they will destroy your immune system and there's no supplement for healing, strife and anger and bitterness and malice except walking in love. And so the choice of walking in love is for the preservation of your life. Because once the root of bitterness develops in your system, you're cutting your days short. And I'm going to deal with that. Realize one of the things that killed Moses was the anger when the people demanded for water. And I'm going to deal with that. And that's why the fruit of the Spirit, and go and ask any doctor. Go and ask any doctor. If you list out the fruit of the Spirit, they will always encourage you that those emotions are good for your heart. Do you realize the scripture says, um, laughter is like medicine? Go and ask any doctor. They'll tell you. There are even certain uh, cases they are dealing with, they'll just put some comedy and just want to make sure the patients laugh. It looks like medical discovery, but it's been in the scripture. And do you realize that one... Why am I dealing, dealing with this? Let me just say this. Do you realize that one of the things the enemy attacks always in your life is your joy? Watch how many times you are sad in a day. There's always something to make you angry. Am I right? That thing is cutting short your life. <laughs> because if a good laughter do it good like medicine, a sad face, what do you think it's going to do? It's going to destroy you. And that's why the choice to stay joyful is your strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. There cannot be longevity without joy. Praise God. Well, this is for next week. Let's, let's, let's go on to Ezekiel 18. Are, are you following this now? All right. So next time when we say, walk in love, don't say, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Ah, these people are wicked. I will kill them. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you walk in love, you almost look like a fool. Am I right? Come on, am I right? And that's what you don't want to look like. That's the problem. You don't want to look like a fool. You want to look like somebody who knows what he's doing. I'm not weak. I know who I am. I know my rights. And the enemy will always put ideas into your heart. Shows you, he will show you wicked ways of paying back evil. Because he knows that you're on his side right now. And so you see why. Do you think Abraham... Letting Lot go? Do you think anybody in this generation will do that? Do you think, I mean, come on, look at Abraham. You're the one God called. Right? I mean, imagine you bring somebody to this town and they start increasing. And then you sit 
in a family meeting. You're the eldest. You brought him. God didn't call him. And you know, say, you choose. If you go to the right, I will go to the left. Do you, I mean, honestly, do you think you will do that? Me that is preaching to you, I will not do it in capital letters. I will not give you the option to choose. I will choose. Because I brought you. But do you think all of these things have an impact in, in, in dealing with things in our life? Yeah. Have you realized just certain times in your life where you're just peaceful, there's no stress, there's nothing going on, people look at you and say, oh, you're growing fat. Come on. And you're like, I'm not even eating. You realize that? Have you realized when you are worried about something, nobody knows, but you're just worried. Maybe you have done one wicked thing, you're just praying the world should not be aware of. Do you realize you just start getting dry? What's the question people ask you? Come on, what's the question people ask you? What is wrong with you? What is the word, this is what I'm supposed to teach next week, but let's see. What's the word disease? Break it into two. What does it mean? This, D-I-S, is. What does ease mean? Disease. You're not at peace. You're not at ease. What does the scripture say? He will keep him in perfect peace. Replace that word with ease. He'll keep him in perfect ease whose mind is stayed on him. So once your mind is not fixated on the person of Jesus, what's going to happen? Are you following this now? Praise God. All these things contribute to long life. Not just jogging. You are jogging, 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 jogging. But you had a very bitter heart. Even as you are jogging, you are causing people. I will kill you. They will die. They will die. They will die. And God says, that thing will just make you have muscles. It won't increase your life. Because the real source of life, there's no peace there. Come on, are you following this now? Alright. Okay, let's go. Let's go so that we can finish this and get into that next week. Ecclesiastes chapter 18 and verse 32. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we look at verse 31? Praise God. Are, is somebody learning something this evening? So next time when somebody offends you, just tell yourself, I want to live long. Just go, go your way. <laughs> they will not understand. But maybe you, by just letting that thing go, you've added two more years. <laughs> Glory to God. Okay. E- Ezekiel chapter 18 verse 31. Look at this. Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed. Look at this. Make yourself a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? Look at verse 32. Look at verse 32. For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore repent and live. Can you see it right here? God says I don't have pleasure when you die. Repent. What does it mean to repent? Change your mind and leave. Turn away from your wicked ways. Follow my laws. Follow the instructions I'm given in the scriptures. Repent. I don't have pleasure in you dying. I want you to repent so you can leave. This is God's word. This is God's word. 
How many funerals did Jesus stop when he was on earth? Some people. I mean, I remember the woman with uh, the widow of Nain carrying the child. And they met Jesus in the procession. They were just going to bury the child and Jesus healed that child. Lazarus was there. Jesus went there. Called Lazarus out. And you know what uh, the sister said? I know if you were here, my sister would not have died. Could say I'm here now. He says, I know. He will rise again. Well, look at that. He said, do you know that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? Yes, Lord. I believe on the last day. Jesus said, no. You said if I was here, he would not die. I'm here now. It's never too late for God. And he says, no. On the last day. Jesus says, no. It's not a last day. The last day is not a day in the calendar. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the day. (laughs) Glory to God. Jesus is called the day star. When the day star arises in your heart, He is the day of salvation. And He says, I'm the last day. (laughs) I'm the resurrection and the life. You don't have to shift your faith. Glory to God. Don't take it to tomorrow. You know, some of us believe that, oh, if Jesus were here, we'll live very long. Don't take your faith to tomorrow. Jesus is in you right now. And He's the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. Go to Isaiah 65, verse 20. Come on, are you learning something right here? Isaiah 65, verse 20. I want to say this to you. Regardless of what you hear about a minister of the gospel, oh, keep your mouth short about spiritual activities. Discuss other things. You must learn to discern the Lord's body. I'm not saying that people are not doing stupid things all over the place. But you should just mind your business. Discuss football. Discuss other things. Don't join this generation to tear down things that are spiritual. And that's the word of the Lord. Because it's very important. That's part of not discerning the Lord's body. Do you realize that Moses... Miriam, and when Miriam spoke against Moses, Moses did not say anything. And what was the contention? Are you the only one the Lord speaks to? And the fact that you married an Ethiopian woman. Consequential issues. Why are you fighting if it is only Moses God speaks to or he married an Ethiopian woman? When it's your own time to marry, you can go and marry anybody you want to marry. But that was the subject of discussion. And the Lord said and spoke clearly that Moses should separate himself. And he struck Miriam with leprosy. Miriam was Moses' elder sister. And that's very important. Because we know so much in this generation. We we actually... We, we, we just play with spiritual things. There's no reverence. 
And these things have impact on our longevity. I mean, this is not threatening somebody, but even in my own life as a minister of the gospel, I have to watch it. How I talk about other ministers. I cannot talk about other ministers from a point of self-righteousness and judgment. That's very important. Because I'm going to explain that to you if the Lord allows me. That it is the Lord that judges his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Well, let's go on now. Isaiah 65 verse 20. I want to finish this today, so let's run quickly. Isaiah 65 20. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days. Or an old man who does not live out his years. That is Isaiah 65 20. I'm reading the NIV version. It says an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be taught a mere child. And the one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. Do you know what this would mean if we took this, this scripture literally? <laughs> I know some people are like, yo, pastor, no, no, no. We understand, but just leave it. Do you, do, I, I, come on, you see what the Bible is saying? That even somebody dies at a hundred, he's like a child. Now, you understand why they were speaking like this. That's why I read to you all the age of Adam and all those people. I mean, imagine somebody now died at a hundred. He's just a child. Look at New Living Translation. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. So the Bible talks about a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only the cursed will die that young. That's tough. Somebody say, well, pastor, this is in the New Jerusalem. The one question I ask you, what will your longevity benefit you in the new Jerusalem? <laughs> Do you understand that? How will your longevity benefit you? You know, people don't mind living long. It's like, when we get to heaven, we're going to live long. We're not going to die. You know, people start singing the song, no more sorrow there, no more dying there. You know, whatever they sing. Uh, a nursery rhyme is entering my head right now, so I don't know what you But you realize, and I ask myself, okay, when you get to heaven and you no longer die, what's the benefit to you? Curse, look at this. At that dimension, you will not be praying for the sick. At that dimension, you will not be having teenage classes. At that dimension... You will not be running business. You want to go do stock exchange market in heaven or forex. So the one question is, what will longevity do for you in the other dimension? Someone say, well, we're just going to be singing holy, holy, holy. Anyway, you know, people teach it very funny. When we see God from you, ah, I've never seen this dimension of God. Holy, holy. And God will turn this way like, wow, God, holy, holy. Okay. You're going to sing holy, holy, holy forever. It's more like you just get to heaven. They just program you holy, repeat mode. So you actually need long life to get your purpose on earth here done and accomplished. To finish your race and finish your assignment. So longevity on earth is for, pur- is for a purpose. Are you following this now? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 10. Listen my son. Accept what I say. And the years of your life will be many. 
my child, listen to me and do as I say, and you would have a long, good life. Proverbs 4.10, I use the NIV and the NLT. I want to deal with something very quickly tonight. Proverbs 10.27, just re- get, get on this with me. The fear of the Lord adds length to life. The fear of the Lord adds length to life. But the years of the wicked are cut short. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life. But the years of the wicked are cut short. The fear of God will add years to our life. And you know, and I was talking with someone in the office the other day, and I was saying, listen, it's because of the way we've thought, thought about sin. You know, it's like, oh, God is forgiving you your sin. You, you know, and people just live carelessly. These things have impact on your life. Sin is not just about whether you go to hell or you go to heaven. Sin are the very things that stops your longevity. These things cut short your life. All kinds of vices, anger, backbiting, gossiping, strife, sexual immorality, and all that. Do you remember when uh, Balaam came to curse the children of Israel and he couldn't? He says, the Lord had blessed them. Do you remember what Balaam said? He said, but if you want to curse them, curse them to commit sexual immorality. They committed sexual immorality, 23,000 people died one day. Go read your scriptures. And I'm going to teach about that. She said, we have people who teach grace and then they live all kinds of crazy life. Sin will open a door to death. Because the wages of sin is not just spiritual death. It's spiritual death first. And then it's physical death. It gives a hole for the enemy to get into your life. And so when God tells us to live righteously, it's not just because he will accept us in heaven. The thing about living righteously, it's got a great impact on the way you live on earth. Are you still here? Alright. Go to Ephesians 6.3 now. Let's deal with this. I'm going to deal with something and that's where I'm going to wrap up. Ephesians 6.3. Are you there? Come on, I hope you're getting blessed. Praise God. Now, this, the things I'm saying might be very unconventional. And I stand with them. They're God's word. And that's why I'm reading the scriptures to you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you my mind. I'm not telling you what I feel. I'm opening up the perfect law of liberty. And as we gaze on the perfect law of liberty, we're being transformed to this image. Hallelujah. Come and I said hallelujah. Alright, look at this. You know, if you look even at the at history, you look at the way our parents lived. I'm even talking without God, without the knowledge of God, right? You know the man. You understand what I'm saying? Imagine the way our parents lived in the village. The communal life they had the liberty the peace they had they didn't have cars they didn't have all of these things are you following what i'm saying just go to the farm come back in the evening if your crops didn't produce enough they shared stuff with you are are you following this in the evening they will come out and have wrestling matches everybody would you know just lie down in their mat nobody was trying to steal something I mean, you could find just one or two thieves in the community. They were known, easily caught. Right now we live in a world where there are more thieves than sane people. High fences, CCTV, armed guards, assertion dogs, military, navy, gossiping. I mean, check our WhatsApp conversation. We've loaded people there. 
that we are dealing with here. You know, some people just don't worry, I'll come back to this matter after healing class. We are coming to this matter. Just pause here. You want to come. Yeah, you, and you think all of these things do not have impact on our life? The world is more spiritual than it is physical. And these are spiritual activities. These are spiritual activities. Free agitations in our hearts, suspicions in our hearts. That's why one of the greatest ways to live long, I'm going to deal with that, is to read your heart. And just allow the love of God to just walk in your heart. Some things you just say, you know what, I cast this care on God. Worry will shorten your life. And the enemy will always give you something to worry about. A single person. Oh, I can't wait to get married. I can't wait to get married. When is Mr. Wright coming? When is Mr. Wright coming? Mr. Wright comes. And he gives you an idea. Something to worry about. Ah, why is, he, why is his password complex? Why is his password complex? Why will somebody, somebody will marry somebody? I have capital letter, password, small letter, and all the numbers. Why? You will now worry about password. Then after one year, ah, why am I not pregnant? Oh God, what is happening? Remember me. Remember me. You now give birth. They say, oh, you have twins. Ah, why will somebody start life with twins? How will I manage my work? And do you understand what I mean? Look at our life. I mean, I say these things and people laugh. But look at our life. Do you realize how many agitations we're dealing with right now? Do you know people that are more scared because they've got... Uh, not they've got. <laughs> you know, people that have been studying about COVID-19 more than scientists, they are so afraid. The thing has not gotten near them. They disinfect their food. I mean, they, they would not mind wearing a mask over their food. Like, before you bring that food from the kitchen, give the food a mask. We have to be COVID-19 compliant. I'm not, I'm not saying you should throw caution over the wind. But all of those things, working in your system, they're destroying your immune system. It's called the spirit of fear. And the Bible says he's not giving it to us. But he's giving us love, glory to God, and sound mind. You need to keep your mind sound. That's why God keeps you in perfect peace. And gives you joy that the world cannot even understand. Some people will be amazed. Like, why are you this calm in the midst of all this crisis? It's for our longevity. He has given us peace that the world cannot understand. Glory to God. And, and that's why, if you understand these things I'm teaching, you begin to value peace. Are you following what I'm saying? You just begin to value peace in your home. You value peace around your office. You value peace around your life. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? You will be able to identify strife and say, no way. Let's look at Ephesians 6.3. Praise God. Uh, maybe I'll stop here and then I'll get into... Oh, wow. Okay. Ephesians 6.3. Are you there? Look at this now. It says, Honor your father. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you would have a long life on the earth. Do you see how God connects honoring our fathers and our mothers and connects it to our longevity. Connects that. Now, the reason I brought it is because this is an Old Testament promise. But you see that Paul speaks about it. Now, I know some fathers haven't done well, some mothers haven't done well. You need to pray and ask the Lord what to do about that. But I just want to say that honoring your father and your mother 
Just giving them the honor that they, you know, this is my father, I just give you the honor you deserve. I mean, if you live with an abusive father, he's not saying you should go and do everything the man says, but you just give him whatever honor he deserves. And just give it to him. Bless him the little you can, and that's it. But that has a long way to contribute to your longevity. And for some people, the Lord will give you spiritual parents. If you, if you have natural fathers who are not living right and not doing the things they ought to do, one of the things you find out, and I want to say this right here, one of the things you find out is the Lord will lead you to a local church where the pastor and the wife would be like fathers and mothers to you. And God will give you an opportunity to walk in honor towards them for your longevity. And I'll give you an example. Reuben slept with his, with his father's wife, and the father cursed him. But when Moses was about to die, do you know what Moses said over Reuben? He says, may Reuben live and not die. What did Moses do? He broke that curse. Because if you study Ephesians, go to Ephesians chapter 6, let me show you something here. Ephesians 6. Now, I want to say this, and I know it's a bit of a touchy subject, but I want to deal with this. Because when we talk about honoring your father, some of us have parents who haven't done right, who haven't lived right, who don't show the example of a godly life. And the question is, how far can I go with honoring them? But that's why God builds the local church. Now, again, some pastors have taken these to the extreme. But the purpose of the local church is to create a family structure for people to be able to practice this. Now, go to Ephesians 6, and I want you to look at it very carefully now. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So he speaks there about your parents in the Lord. Verse 2, it goes to honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it might be well with you and that you might live long on the earth. So there he speaks of your spiritual parents. And he also talks about your natural parents. And you know, because then you now ask yourself, well, what will an orphan do? What will somebody who doesn't have father do? There is an opportunity right there to honor your spiritual father and your mother. Are you following this now? Now, I want, to, I want to create a balance there. Because some pastors have also taken these out of proportion and they go into domineering and control. But if you go to the next verse, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So, he gives us the framework of honor. Because what you find out is people just leave the first verse and they go, you, you honor your father, you honor your... Well, you want somebody to honor you, but you're always provoking your child. So you, you, are, are you following what I'm saying now? So, it, it, and, I, and I'm just sharing this with you. Like, when we study scriptures, let's get the balance to it. And that means patiently reading the scriptures. So if you don't have a father and a mother to honor right now, you belong to a local church, you belong... You honor your pastor. But again, we live in a generation where your pastor can't be your spiritual father. You know what you're doing. You have all the messages of everybody in the world. You have your own collection. Who is your spiritual father? He's, uh, he lives in the U.S. The man does not even know that you exist. 
So I have 100 of his sermons. Who is your spiritual father? Kenneth Hagin. Okay. So when you're wrong, how does he correct you? You cannot have a technological father. That's why you belong to a local church. I know this is, don't write me any letters. But that's it. And that's why the church, again, we must begin to rediscover the church as a community and as a family. Are, are you following this now? I mean, I've got people around my life whose uh, biological fathers are not there for them. And I'm like their father. And they honor me. They will grow up with the presence and instruction and the guidance and the discipline of a father over their life. And all of this. So I want you to see this thing of divine healing and, 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 and longevity. I want you to see it as a combination of many things. That's what I want to open your eyes to. It's not just about one thing. It's about all of these instructions. So as we get into the word of God and we look at the instructions of God's word, I know that as I obey God's word, it is contributing to my longevity. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, go to Deuteronomy 5.33. Let's do five more minutes. Praise God. Deuteronomy 5.33. You must walk in all the ways that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. It says, if you obey me, you can prolong your days. Now, I, I want to say this and listen very carefully to me. It is only you that knows if you are obeying God. As you are sitting here listening to me and all of you will live stream me and in your home, I don't know what instruction God has given to you. I don't know if you are living in complete obedience to God. You don't know if I am living in complete obedience to God. You know, even as a pastor, the Lord can give me an instruction and I don't obey Him completely. And if I die as a result of disobedience, nobody is going to know it was my disobedience that caused my death. Do you know that many people did not know why God rejected Saul? Why did God reject Saul? Come on. Why did God reject Saul? Go and destroy all the Amalekites and everything. What did Saul do? Come on now. What did Saul do? He left some animals. Did he leave the animals because he wanted to do barbecue? Did he leave the animals because he wanted to do ram suya? What's the English word for suya? Stick meat. <laughs> huh? Come on, why did he leave? Come on, why did he leave? He wants to sacrifice for God. Was that a good intention? It's a good intention, but was that what God required for him? If Saul was rejected and he was rejected, what do you think people would say? People would never see that disobedience. Saul is a good man. Ah, 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 Saul. Ha, the devil is wicked. Ha, Saul is a good man. Do you, and they will even gist about, do you even realize the last time he went to fight, this man brought animals just to sacrifice for God, not animals for himself, not his family, just for God. No king will ever do that. That thing people are praising him about is the very thing he was destroyed for. That's why God might give you instructions to do things. And people will be praising you for other things. You better get about what God is asking you to do. 
He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. What I'm trying to say is this. Whenever any, because it, it really shakes our faith when a big minister dies. Sometimes we need to go before the Lord and find out. Did they finish their course? They had instruction from the Lord that did not obey. And sometimes it's not that they are disobedient. It's sometimes that they finished their course. And Paul shows us that. Jesus showed us that. Do you realize even when Hezekiah was about to die, God gave him time. He says, go and prepare your house and get yourself ready. So I believe that this is God's will for us. God's will is not that we go on and leave our families scattered and things disorderly. No. Praise God. God wants our life orderly. He wants, you know, Jesus prepared the disciples for his death many times before he died. He didn't just wonder, ah, today's the day of the cross, today's the day of the cross. No, he spoke to them. He gave them instructions. And, and God is our example. Jesus is our example. He says, do this, do this. I'll go. This is going to happen. You're going to betray me. That will happen. When I leave, even when Paul was to leave the Ephesians church, he had a pastor's meeting. He told them, when I leave, ravenous wolves will come. You know, he instructed them over, over two, three chapters, giving them instructions on how to keep the church of God. God's will is for a long, fulfilled, and orderly life. And you need to write that down. God's will for me is that I'll have a long, fulfilled and orderly life. Praise God. Alright. Last scripture, Deuteronomy 440. If you obey all these decrees and commands I'm giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I'm giving you these instructions so you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Deuteronomy 440. What I ask you to write down is this. God's will for me is to live a long, structured Orderly life. Long, orderly life. Not disorderly. Glory to God. I'll read Deuteronomy 4.40 again and then we'll close. If you obey all the decrees and commands I'm giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I'm giving you these instructions so you would live a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you for all time. So I'm giving you these instructions so you live long. I'm not just giving you this instruction so that you will obey me. And uh, yeah, God wants us to live long. We should talk about these things. We should meditate on these things. We shouldn't joke with that. We shouldn't play with that. Don't say, ah, that's tickling me to death. Yeah? Take out those negative words from your vocabulary. Cleanse your system from dead words. I like that thing, die. No, take that word out. Just say you like it. Don't say I like that thing, die. No, take death out of your language. I love you to death. No, no, sir. I love you. It's enough. Jesus has died for us. Don't die for anybody again. Don't make the conversation of death. A good thing. Look at your vocabulary and eliminate curse. Man, this is just, I'm just so madly in love with you. Take out the mad. You know, single guys, right? I love you crazy. Take, that's a death word. Take it out. For God so loved the world madly. That he gave only his recordings or no. For God so loved the world, that's enough. Let your yes be yes and your nay be nay. Anything 
Outside of that, Scripture says we are going to give account of every idle word we speak. What's idle word? Non-productive word. Let me ask you, how would you speak if every word you said came, was coming to pass? Somebody said, yeah, I'll be more careful. So why are you not careful? Because they are actually coming to pass. They might not come to pass today, but they will come to pass. Curse, you will have what you say. But you know the struggle? Our friends start telling us, ah, we are just joking. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> we are just joking. I love you to death. No. The angels do not recognize jokes. Angels are either acting on your word or demons are acting on it. Who are you going to empower? Are you going to give voice to life or are you going to give voice to death? Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. And we know that it's your will for us to live long. We, we, we have experiences that go against us. But tonight, we are not responding to our experiences. We're responding to the word of God. We open our hearts to God's word. And Lord, we come before Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.